0: you're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Center for Rural Health Research podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Lloyd-Cusick. This is the fifth and final episode of our very first podcast series, Innovation from the Edges, where we're exploring the resilience, ingenuity of rural and remote communities across BC in the face of the global COVID-19 pandemic. Now, by way of self-promotion, in the coming weeks, we'll be bringing you an all-new series featuring stories of rural patient voices engaging in critical healthcare issues for rural and remote BC. But before we shift gears, we felt it would be fitting to tie off this mini-series with a broader look at the human stories in rural communities in the COVID era. So to help with that, today we're joined by Jane McKenzie, the Program Manager for the Salt Spring Art Council on Salt Spring Island. Welcome, Jane. And for the past few weeks, Jane and her team have been collecting stories and poems and pictures and Lots of other contributions, all showcasing a wide range of personal experiences of local island residents in a project called COVID Chronicles. So again, thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule to talk with us today, Jane. It's a great pleasure to have you in the program. Um, Thank
0: you very much. I'm happy to be here.
1: I wonder if you could just kind of get us going, telling us a little bit about Salt Spring Island as a community.
0: Okay. Well, Salt Spring is uh, obviously one of the Gulf Islands. It's the largest Gulf Island. So we have the only high school for the Gulf Islands, so all the students come here. Um, We're a population of about 13,000, but that generally doubles in the summertime when we have summer residents and tourists. So we're a very tourist-based community, and we also have a high percentage of retired people on our island. we have mostly rural neighborhoods, so people are living on acreage generally. We have a town site which uh, has the schools, an old town hall where we ourselves are um, have our offices, and a shopping area all on a harbour front. So we also get a lot of boat traffic. Um, we have some thing that we're pretty famous for which is our summer market it happens every Saturday although we're not sure what's happening this year Mm -hmm. uh and the the theme of that is make it bake it grow it um so everything there has to be handmade Mm. or hand-grown um and uh I guess our population base is like I say retired uh, a lot of farmers like small farmers creative people and alternative lifestyle
1: people. Mm -hmm. A vibrant community as you've painted it for sure. Uh, And one thing you've mentioned uh, in particular as, you know, this time of the year rolls around, the temperatures are rising and people are kind of getting a little antsy, especially having been cooped up inside for the last couple of months and with Salt Spring being such a a tourist destination internationally and from within people from BC, um, How is the feeling in Salt Spring, first of all, how has it, you know, kind of changed since COVID emerged? And how are you feeling with the difference between how it feels now and how it normally feels?
0: Oh, well, I would say, first, I would just say for us, it's probably been less of a change than in the city and in other communities. Just because, uh, you know, we can go outside in our acreage. I mean, we're pretty privileged really we can go outside and not feel that we're stuck in the house we can be out and about um it I think a lot of people have actually really enjoyed having not a lot of tourists around it's like we have the island to ourselves. um however there's a lot of tourist-based businesses so mm-hmm. they have definitely been impacted and I'm sure they have a completely different feeling about it um we're really lucky in that we have a lot of like Bakers, bread makers, farmers. So, I've noticed personally for myself, I go to the supermarket less because it was such an ordeal mm-hmm. to go in, line up and all, you know, masking and all that. So, it's so much easier to go to a farm stand. Um, and then we're supo- supporting local businesses um, that are growing food. And I think it sort of touched on issues of food sustainability, food security. And uh, I know some community gardens have happened in neighborhoods because we have had to think like, you know, on an island, what if we can't get mm-hmm. food transported to us? So, um, and we're really a, a bunch of um, self-starters, I would say. So um, I've enjoyed kind of going back to going to one place to get my bread and my baked goods, another place to get my produce. We can eat, we can even get meat that's local.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, and you kind of touched on something interesting. I mean, in terms of uh, food supply, I think a lot of communities are, are, are realizing that this COVID situation is kind of like a, um, a case study, or um, I don't want to say drill, because it's very real, um, but of, you know, what happens if supply chains are disrupted, whether it's due to climate change or anything else, um, yes. or another pandemic. And, and in some ways, hopefully, this can be kind of a, an experience where people realize the solutions, and then it can draw on them if and when they have, have to again. So it's in- yeah, exactly. interesting to hear, I mean, Salt Springs, so many independent and local producers. So that's, that's fabulous. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been, like I mentioned to you a little earlier, um, I've been on the COVID Chronicles webpage and I've been having a great time looking through some of the stories and things you've posted there. I've seen a huge diversity of perspectives and also mediums. I mean, there's been songs, there've been poems and stories and all sorts of written accounts of changes and, and challenges and hopes I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about the COVID Chronicles project and, you know, what it is, what's the goal?
0: Well, when we were all stuck at home, we were trying to figure out how do we stay engaged with our membership and our community? Because as the Arts Council, primarily what we do is events where we draw people in. Mm -hmm. So um, the vision I originally had was kind of like... um, a window into people's world as they're at home uh, in kind of the format of life magazine which i grew up with and really loved so kind of like photojournalism and stories and the photos don't have to be artistic they can be just what's going on and so we really wanted to reach out to everybody not just writers and photographers but to everybody so what we did is we um engaged what we called community liaison people who we knew were really good at extending into the community and we asked them to first submit and then to talk it up and reach out to other people, um, which was hard for them to do because they couldn't be out and about and you know we're such a bump into people kind of community because it's small. so we're always bumping in and the word gets spread that way. Without that, people were basically limited to their their email group or Facebook. So in a way, you know, I was hoping for more submissions, but um, I think what we realized is we did launch it, I would say, maybe a tiny bit late. I think right when it started to get momentum, people were, it was starting to open up again. But it just took us a while as an art council to get reoriented and start to think about what it was that our community would want. Um, Some of the feedback I got, because we have so many retired people, is, well, my life is just the same, right? (laughs) I'm basically doing the same thing every day. So, um, yeah, uh, there was a writers group that was really keen on connecting. And I think we have 22 writing submissions and about 9 or 10 photography submissions. So definitely the writers jumped on this online exhibit. Because they don't often get an opportunity to do that, mm-hmm. you know, to share their writing.
1: So, And honestly, you know, even as you were saying, uh, some people were saying that, uh, you know, my life is the same or we kind of evened out. That's a finding in and of itself, right? I mean, just to yeah. to know that uh, even with a kind of a, a perturbation of this scale, um, people are finding a way to still feel somewhat normal and, and still can yeah. restore the safety. I think initially when this kind of was all unfolding, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear. And, you know, uh, it's, it's a, it's a happy thing now that people are feeling a little bit more like they've established a routine that's working at least for some, for many people. Yeah. I know it's not the same for everyone. Um, yeah. particularly, like you mentioned, some of the people who maybe, you know, rely more on the, you know, the tourist presence and things like that. It's, it's, it's an ongoing yeah. challenge surely, but, um, yeah. it it is reassuring to hear that people are saying that, you know, things are kind of reached some level of stasis.
0: Yeah. And, I also got a sense that some people were actually really happy to just drop out for a while and do nothing. They had an excuse to retreat, you know, recuperate, you know, just refresh and just stop. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't want to engage with anything. And I know I kind of got into that place a little bit too, because we're going like so fast all the time.
1: Mm -hmm. In some ways, at least maybe speaking for me personally, it seems to resonate with others as well. This has been kind of a clarifying experience where you realize yeah. that the, the parts of your routine or your life that are making you feel happier and giving you something and maybe some that aren't. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, at this point, you've said you've received, uh, I don't know, 20, 20 or so, 25, maybe submissions. Uh, and I, for
0: right oh, and 10. For 14, and yeah. and, and, and yeah.
1: for just for our listeners who don't have the visual cue right now. Um, I I've read, you know, some of the, some of the submissions and they're quite, many of them are quite substantial. They're quite extensive and very detailed and very colorful. And I'm wondering if any have stuck with you, you could tell us about some of the experiences that have have stood out.
0: Um, well, one of the stories I really enjoyed was by Bryony Penn. Um, she is an environmentalist here and and is a writer professionally. Mm. Um, her, her family has been on the Island for generations and she wrote a story about her three rowboats flotsam jetsam and handsome
1: <laughs> oh man i'm actually looking for some boats for for my uh, cottage my family's cottage so maybe i have ideas for names now i'll give credit to her of oh <laughs> okay yeah well
0: the flotsam and jetsam obviously were washed up on shore mm. i'm not sure how she acquired handsome <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah and she just talked about being able to hang out with her sons who came home and uh, lamented a little bit about how these days the, the next generation has to leave the island to survive. Mm. And so having her sons there, doing the slow um, things that brought so much joy, just uh, walking, rowing, looking at nature, connecting with neighbors as they walk. Um, yeah, she just connected with the how lovely that was and the grief of what she was seeing in the bigger world. And she's just a beautiful writer, so I really enjoyed her piece. Um, one of the photographers, Michael Levy, he's actually quite a well-known photographer as well. He lives here with his whole family, his mother and his siblings. And uh, he went around, he managed to capture a lot of empty spaces, uh, which, you, you know, we're a very social community. You don't see our spaces empty very much. So um, that was those are pretty haunting photographs. Mm-hmm. So those were a
1: couple of my favorites. I mean, yeah, I, I've um, I, I recall now um, seeing uh, pictures online of like the Trevi Fountain in Rome with like seven people yeah. around it. You know, it's it's it is kind of haunting. It's interesting, and I think also yeah. you've you've touched on um, some of these stories. I've touched on something else that I think people are feeling rather broadly, it's kind of paradoxical. I mean, it's supposed to be social distancing, physical distancing, but in some senses, because of the the lack of other options and, and you know, maybe there's some element of recalibrating and focusing on what's important in life. I think in some senses that this, this situation has brought families closer together. And, you know, I'm, for example, I'm on Zoom calls all regularly, all the time with my whole family, uh, which never really okay. happened before. I mean, we obviously we were in touch, but you ever everyone together all the time, yeah. and even like you mentioned, you know, kids moving back to their parents' houses because they're working remotely or they're out of a job for now. Um, yeah, which I think is 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 a is a big silver lining of this whole thing. Um, it
0: totally is. We're seeing a lot of kids returning, mm-hmm. and they may be staying because there a lot of their university courses are online. So that's really nice because we generally use, lose all the twenty, you know, nineteen mm-hmm. to twenty five. We lose; they're gone. So that, that's really nice. However, it has brought up some housing issues because we already have a bit of a housing issue where we mm-hmm. don't have um, places for people to stay. So now families have their kids coming back. So, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a shock from the empty nest. Um, but yeah. maybe, you know, hopefully, some of the, the population coming back and staying for a time will help, you know, some of these businesses as they slowly open again they'll have, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not as many tourists, but maybe they'll have more locals um, around, yeah. maybe. yeah. Uh, especially if there's nothing else to do except go buy muffins and eat them at home with your family, right? So, <laughs> um, which is nice. And uh, of course, yes. you have the closest access to some of the most beautiful nature in the world, which is a huge oh, benefit.
0: It's Yeah, it, it's a pretty wonderful place to be stuck.
1: <laughs> and earlier you mentioned that uh, Salt Spring is home to the only high school in the Gulf Islands. And uh, you also mentioned something to do with um, supermarkets. And just before we started recording, it turns out that your son has graduated from high school yesterday. Congratulations to you and him. I want you to tell me a little bit about the graduation ceremony on Salt Spring.
0: Okay. Well, we actually, because we're not allowed to gather in large groups, we have 120 grads. So the graduation ceremony at the school included groups of 10 grads in the gym, socially distanced. They could bring two relatives. Uh, So we had that over Monday and Tuesday. And then the parent committee, the parent uh, grad committee got together and created this event in uh, partnership with Country Grocer. And Country Grocer closed their doors to the public from 8 o'clock till 9.30 at night last night. And... The grad committee bought each grad uh, coupon, a shopping coupon for $15, and they came in all of their finery, and they were in groups of 40. We actually, there was about 40 that were missing, so I think we had about 80 or 90 grads present, all dressed up, and we had an old uh, 1953 Model T truck that, I don't know if it was Model T, it was like an old vintage 1953 truck. That our MC was on, and we had the fire department, and the RCMP, and mostly just grads, and then the organizing group. And the kids went in in groups of forty and shopped for an item off a list that the food bank had gave us, and then put it all in shopping carts, and that will all go to the food bank. Um, there were prizes and um, silliness, essentially. Like we had, we had big bubble wands, so to remind everybody to stay in their bubble of a group of people. <laughs> Or to stay six, you know, six feet apart. I must say, um, grads, you know, teenagers are a bit like magnets. Like you ask them to stay six feet apart, and they—I don't think they physically are it's like able herding to cats. do Like cats, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think you know, these kids, most of these kids, honestly, have known each other since they were one. Mm-hmm. Like they have literally grown up together. So we really felt like we had to find a way for them to all be together apart, if you mm-hmm. know what I mean, and. it it was a success. They had a great time.
1: That's fabulous. I I just, I love that story so much. I mean, it's, um, it's kind of a great example uh, of a lot of stories you've been hearing of different, seemingly totally separate uh, institutions, groups, activities, events in the communities, kind of realizing that no one can do what they normally do in the same way. So how can we Mm -hmm. come together and do something that's a little bit different, a little bit bigger, um, that's Mm -hmm. kind of greater than the sum of its parts. And, um, still helping to build that sense of occasion, sense of community, uh, you know, connection. Uh, And I think that's just so wonderful. And I wonder, uh, this is kind of leading me a little bit into my next question. You know, I wonder if maybe that turns into some kind of ongoing tradition. I mean, that's a really cool event to have for the grads. I'm not sure if that's sustainable, but um, I love the idea of, uh, you know, the image of the the graduating generation kind of giving something uh, to the community like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And our community really likes to support the mm. grads in any way they can. So they weren't having an opportunity to do that. I mean, it's kind of sad that we have to shop to be together. But mm. if that's the way it is, I mean, we have to keep our economy going and we do have to shop. So, yeah, we just have to be in creative in yeah. how we It's
1: <laughs> a new kind of gather. retail therapy, right? Yeah. Um, so, of course, <laughs> I mean, no one can know what kind of legacy COVID's going to leave in our, in our communities, in our province. Um, but I wonder if collecting these stories and, and even in your experience with your your son's graduation yesterday, um, cool. has it influenced <clears throat> the way you see life after COVID on Salt Spring? Uh,
0: well, we're already a strong community, but I think it's really made us even stronger and more dependent on each other. Uh, it's really made a lot more connections and awareness of what each islander has to offer. Mm-hmm. I think neighborhoods have connected more. Um, we're very protective. Like I hope that we can remain reasonable in allowing people to visit, but you know, we don't have a way of coping with it. If we did have an outbreak, we, we have to send everybody off Island. So we do want people to be respectful of that and take every precaution. If they come wear masks and just Mm -hmm. be aware that we're quite a vulnerable and because we're so social and interconnected, like on Salt Spring, it's one degree of separation, not Mm 7 So oh, it could actually spread like wildfire if if we did have it here. Um, and, you know, it's not all good. We've had a couple of real tragedies here on the island because some families are very stressed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, and that affects everybody the same. Mm-hmm. So everything is quite amplified here. And we just ask people to recognize that. It's kind of like in the city, you have a fire hydrant on every corner mm-hmm. to put out the fires. We don't. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're vast rural areas where if it, if a match is dropped, acres and acres go up. And um, it's just sometimes hard for people that are coming from the city to understand that. So um, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe COVID has made people more aware of that mm-hmm. when they visit.
1: I guess in the midst of all of that uncertainty and and, and to some degree, you know, vulnerability that's been highlighted or exacerbated, Uh, By this, you know, this kind of focusing event of COVID, uh, what gives you hope in the future?
0: Oh, gosh. Well, I don't know if you're talking to the right person for that. That people are extremely resilient, very creative, and that we just totally love each other and like to be with each other. But that we do need to slow down, I think, and we need to have more respect for nature and just proceed with caution. Otherwise, we're going to wipe ourselves out. Mother Earth will continue in all her glory. But um, yeah, I think we really need to proceed with caution.
1: Absolutely. And listen to what's <laughs> going on in the world and, and be conscientious, I think. It, you know, if, if one thing, um, one of the main things, at least for me, and again, it resonates, I think, with the stories I've been hearing um, that's come out of this experience is kind of a, it's like a booster shot to our conscientiousness. And being yeah. a little more thoughtful about the impact we're having uh, on our neighbors, our communities, the the world around us, the earth um, everything and just being a little that little extra degree more thoughtful and, and grateful um, for what we have
0: yeah
1: and so Definitely. on that note <laughs> that brings our today's episode and this little mini series is uh, last episode to a close so. Thank you, Jane, so much for joining, uh, joining us today and sharing your experiences um, and acting as a bit of a conduit to the rest of <laughs> Salt Spring for, for this morning. Um, and for our listeners out there, uh, you can find this recording in future episodes uh, on the Center for Rural Health Research website at crhr.med.ubc.ca, or you can just type CRHR, which stands for the Center for Rural Health Research, into Google, and we'll come up. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify if you search for CRHR. So, uh, and also, again, another little shameless self-plug, be sure to look out for the next uh, CRHR podcast series, which will explore real patient voices and engagement in health issues in the coming weeks. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you, Jane, for being here, and take care.
0: Thank you very much. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network.